So, let's use them. I confess that I'm speaking about anxiety, but I got quite anxious about this. <laughs> I got anxious about it because I have got a fantastic book uh, called Christian Counseling, A Comprehensive Guide. I've had it for years. This is a newer edition by a guy called Gary Collins. And uh, I thought, well, I've looked at the scriptures. I'll look to see what Gary Collins has to say about anxiety. And I thought, excuse my language, blimey. Um, For some people, this is more complicated than this sermon will make it. But we have doctors here. Talk to them. Um, None of this is my own wisdom, I trust. We're looking at the scriptures to see what the scriptures have to say about anxiety. But anxiety, the question is, how and where to dump it? We're going to look at a number of scriptures, so we won't have a specific reading, except simply to quote a verse from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, which is very familiar. Cast all your anxiety on him, that is God, because he cares about you. Cast. The word actually means, like, I used to have a cloak um, in, my, in my former days, before I was a Christian, I worked with a record company and, and Carnaby Street was nearby and the Beatles were doing their stuff. And I went to Carnaby Street and I bought this amazing cloak. Well, I thought it was, perhaps nobody else did. Wonderful taffeta lining and everything. And I breezed around up and down Oxford Street in this. Um, but this word cast is a bit like I would have done with my cloak taking it off my shoulders and sweeping it around and putting it onto something else. Take your anxieties and cast them on him because he cares about you. That's what Peter is saying. And so there are two things just in this brief text of scripture that leaves us in no doubt at all. Number one, People get anxious. Anxiety exists. You know it. You don't need me to tell you. Um, But it can be acknowledged without shame. Shame is a big thing. And we feel shame, especially blokes. I don't know. I can't speak for you ladies. But I can speak for blokes at least who are like me. There is this measure of shame. We want to hold our head up. We are the men. We don't want it to be seen that we're not quite in control of this situation. And we don't let on. Now, maybe all the men here are different from me in that. But that's me, at least. We don't want to let on that we haven't got a handle on this. And it's a scary situation. But in fact... What Peter is saying is, cast your anxiety on God. It's not a shameful thing to admit that you're anxious about something. And because God cares about you, that's the second thing which isn't in doubt. God cares about us. He has us in mind. It's not a shameful thing or a little thing to give it to God. Oh, God's not going to be interested in my little 
my little things. God's interested in the big things, the universal things, the cosmic things. No, it's not a shameful thing to admit that you have anxiety and it's a perfectly reasonable and good thing to cast them on God. You can, because he's willing to accept them. You won't be surprised that scripture often speaks about anxiety. Psalm 37, for instance, which at times, just in seasons, is one of my favourite psalms, says this. And it's talking about the wickedness of people and situations around us. Don't fret, don't be anxious because of those who are evil or envious or those who do wrong. For like grass, they'll soon wither. Like plants, green plants, they'll die away. Um, I've experienced personally that kind of anger from hostility within churches, from competition within business, from animosity between so-called friends, that kind of anxiety. Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord. So Psalm 37 speaks about situations of anxiety. Jesus was aware of them. Don't worry, he said. Don't worry about your life, where you'll eat, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Now, I don't know whether you've been in that position where you don't know where your next meal is coming from or how you're going to pay for it. I have. When we were newly married and uh, we had next to no money and uh, we had young children, there were times when literally through no stupidity of our, of our own, we didn't know how we were going to buy the next meal. been times when we had three children under five and we knew we had to feed them but where were we going to get the food and yet God Jesus says don't worry about your life what you eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear I tell you when we were hungry or worried about our kids we never actually went hungry thank you God but when we were experiencing that, we didn't care two hoots what we looked like <laughs> about the clothes on our body. So don't worry, we worry about those things. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they and why worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. Dressed splendidly, but he wasn't dressed in light. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, won't he much more clothe you and you have little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or 
what should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then, so there's anxiety on account of the wickedness and the uncertainty and and competition that's all around us. There's anxiety that comes just from the daily cares of life. And there's anxiety which arises from spiritual causes which we may not always immediately recognise, but Peter, in 1 Peter, speaks about uh, um, be alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And um, sometimes anxiety levels increase for no... I've discovered in my own life and between D and me that anxiety levels sometimes increase. And actually, when we examine our circumstances, there's no logical reason why this should happen. This is just not rational. And yet, these anxieties seem to plague our mind and get our hearts all a-tremble. And we can't explain it. And there are times when we find ourselves surprisingly in a spiritual warfare we didn't expect. And what we have discovered is that when we resist the devil, trusting God, how often these qualms disappear, evaporate. And so that was something spiritual on this occasion. So, Scripture says a lot about anxiety, that it's not a shameful thing to admit it, and that God's the one to tell all about it. But I have some quotes, I can't remember where all these quotes come from now. One of them, one of the most urgent problems of our day, anxiety, the official emotion of our age, the most pervasive psychological phenomenon of our time. And I can see Claire nodding, and she's a doctor. And my sense is that in our secular age, the doctor has become, for many people, the new priest. And people go to the doctor with all these troubles which seem to manifest in the hip or the back or the head, but are the anxieties they need to spill out. Um, So I'd be surprised if you didn't suffer from anxiety as well, basically. Anxiety, quoting this book. Anxiety, a word used to describe a common condition that may have reached epidemic proportions. It appears in all age groups, including the elderly, children, and teenagers. I've talked, says the author, to literally thousands of parents and kids and professionals all over the country and across practically all socio-economic groups. And one counsellor wrote in an article on teenage anxiety, I've got the same message in a crescendo. Kids everywhere are overwhelmed by a tidal wave of culturally-induced anxiety. Chaotic overscheduling, worry over tests, the disappearance of family routines or stability, 
endless exposure to disturbing information, lack of close connections, constant change, insecurity, information overload, pressure from peers and the fading of clear moral guidelines all combine to raise anxiety levels in young people. Outwardly, they appear vivacious, carefree and filled with potential. Inside, they're scared. So, to talk about anxiety is appropriate. This simple little text from Peter says that God cares about us. So, we have to examine that. The care of God for the world that exists is the care of one who made it. It's a parent for a child. It's a watchmaker for his design. It's an underlying reality of creation that God cares about it. He looked at it and saw that it is good. He considers the birds. He clothes the flowers. He knows, according to Jesus, when even a sparrow falls. He knows if any one of your... I'm looking at one or two around the congregation and thinking about me. He knows if our hair falls out, said Jesus. It's an underlying reality of creation that God cares about his creation. It's a fact which permeates everything. Just think, we understand from the scripture that this incredible, extraordinary universe of worlds is held together by the word of God. That word of permission, all things hold together by his word, we read at the beginning of Hebrews. That glue which keeps us together which the scientific world is searching for. Perhaps I'm being oversimplistic here. Is the word of God. All things hold together in him. In him we live and move and have our being. The care of God for his creation permeates everything. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness of it the world and everyone who lives in it. God cares. And because God doesn't change, I, the Lord, do not change, we read. I think it's in Isaiah. This is an unchanging certainty. Whatever your circumstances, God 
cares. And when this world which he loved so much, which he created so beautifully, and which still has so much of that extraordinary beauty which is still not destroyed, at least on this world, by our inhumanity and greed. When God looked at this fantastic creation and said it's good and declared his love for it, and when he saw how we began to mess it up, still his love blossomed into salvation through Jesus Christ. Isn't that extraordinary? That when we are messing it all up, he is trying to reassemble it through remade, reconstituted beings, recreated in his image through Jesus. His care cannot ever be denied. So there is anxiety, and it's an epidemic in our times, and all of us at times suffer from it. But there's a care of God which is so great that no anxiety that we may have can escape beyond the limits of his care. We have an awesome God. Forgive us, Lord, that we make you a tiny little creedal statement. That we make you a statement of belief or a line of a hymn and lose sight of the fact that you are with us and you are awesome, God. So, whatever the cause or intensity of anxiety, handling it begins by acknowledging God, doesn't it? And casting our care onto him. Now, we lose sight of God at times. For a variety of reasons. Well, let's turn our eyes back on Jesus. Let us look full in his wonderful face. I said this the other week. It's a message for us. Turn our eyes back on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Is he where you are? My son sat in a car when we were, my wife was doing some shopping in a supermarket in Bridgewater once. My son was knee-high almost to a daffodil by then. And he said to me, Daddy... God's in that church, isn't he? Which was about eight miles from where we lived. But God's in our church too, isn't he? How can God be in that church and in our church, Daddy? Fortunately, there was a strong wind that day. And I said, is the wind in that tree over there? And is the wind in that tree over there? Yes, Daddy but we can't see the wind. God is in that church and that church and in this place and that place in the same way that the wind is in that tree and that tree. Where you are, God is and was before you went there. 
So whatever the cause or intensity of our anxiety, handle it begins by acknowledging that God is here. He's in the place where you're working. He's where that telephone call has just come through and agitated your whole office day. He's in the supermarket where you realise you've left your card at home and you haven't got any cash on you. He's in the car or in the garage, as it was with me this week, when I realised that I'd opened the back of the car and hadn't shut it before I slammed the garage door. Opening the garage door was the problem. Closing the back of the car was the other one. God is where we are. Oh, I was thinking about this. I was so anxious. Thank you, God, for AA. So God is where we are. So we don't need to get back to church, do we? Or back home to kneel down beside our bed. Or to close our eyes and put our hands together. God is here, where your here is. And casting our anxieties on him means acknowledging them. Because as Psalm 37 says, failing tends only towards evil and Jesus says that we can't by multiplying our anxieties add a single moment to our lives in actual fact I suspect the doctors will tell us that if we don't do something about our anxieties they may subtract from the totality of our life so we need to acknowledge them I got into a habit years ago, forgive me if I've told you this before, Um, when I was at school I sat next to Rob Black. It was in those days when we were all trying to decide our own style of handwriting. Well, I never did decide mine because I copied Rob Black. And Rob Black did this very small writing, which the, the teacher had to sort of really squeeze his eyes to see, and I thought, I like that. So I copied Rob. Now then, there have been times when I've been up to here and above my head and drowning in anxieties because this is expected of me in the church, by my children, by my wife, by that bloke that keeps pestering me, by the expectations of my neighbours by the post that's come through my door and demands urgent action, so it tells me, by the email which wants an answer yesterday, all these things heap up and you kind of sit there and say, oh, I can't do it. But of course I wouldn't say that publicly. But I'm saying it now. And what I got into the habit of doing was writing down, Lord, And I'd write him in small writing, and I'd write it very close together, line after line, and then I'd go over it again till it was just a block, a block of black or blue ink, because I'd written over and over it again. But I'd write, 
well, there's so-and-so expects me to do this, and there's that, Lord, and I'm really, I'm telling you the truth, I feel quite angry about that because that ain't fair, and this is bothering me, and my wife wants me to do this on the way home, but I'm, I'm not sure that I've got time to get to the bank, and then there's this woman who's really ill in hospital, and I ought to see her, but, and, and I'm really annoyed about so-and-so, and you know what I did yesterday? I swore about this, Lord. I, I don't think that's a priority, Lord, but they want it to be a priority and they're expecting me to do it last week. And I get to this and I just write the whole lot down and when I get to the end, I start thinking, but somehow, God, actually writing it down is a little block of black. But you're very big, aren't you? You are a very awesome, God. You hold a universe together. This is nothing to you. Heavenly Father, I'm handing this over to you. I can't handle it. I need your help. And I can't work out what the priorities are. But I don't want to let people down. But I want you to have the honour, Lord. Help. And usually I end up thanking him. First of all, because it's a great burden off my mind and off my chest. I've cast it onto him. And secondly, because when I've done that, the weight seems to leave room for other things, to thank him and to trust him. And I've been astonished again and again how a phone call will come and those four urgent things no longer need to be done because they're sorted. And that person doesn't need my help anymore because the neighbour came round and did something. And something else is resolved and suddenly into my head it becomes clear, I don't know where this is coming from, but I think you want me to see Mrs. So-and-so first and I'll go there. And that sets up a chain reaction which begins to release other things. And I'll get to the end of the day or the end of the week and I'll just slump down and say, God, I just don't know how you managed that but we got through this, thank you. I really believe you can manage the universe. We have to cast our care upon him, but we can't do that until we just acknowledge it. And sometimes that takes time. We have to be still or turbulent with God. Casting means handing things over. Philippians 4, verse 6, says this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. What? This contract which isn't working out? These people who are on my back? This nagging pain? With prayer. We can't cast things onto God unless we talk to him about it. By one means or another. Unless we make petition 
And maybe the answer to our anxiety is the prayer of supplication for someone else. Because the purpose of casting these things is not just so we have an easy life, but so that God's life can breeze through us. Of course, casting care upon God doesn't get rid of the anxieties, doesn't get rid of the circumstances. But it does put them in God's sovereign care. There's a, do any of you remember a thing years ago? I think it was Carol and Jimmy and Carol Owens. Do you remember their, those names? Uh, they wrote two musicals. One was called Come Together and one was called If My People. If My People was, was a musical event when people got together and confessed their sins and prayed for the nation. And one of the songs in that is, um, says, Keep Looking Down. You're seated in the heavenlies. Which sounds a bit naff. But in fact, remember that you have been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. So that although circumstances haven't changed, if you were able if you are able to sit for those moments with Christ, even in your imagination, and look down at the circumstances which trouble you, are they big to him? I went up the post office tower once, it was great, and I was amazed by what you could see. Uh, You could see bits of streets which are hidden from ground level. And you can see that there's a bus coming up this road and perhaps there's a jogger coming up this road. And from up there, you can see that if this jogger doesn't look out, the bus is going to hit him when they get to the corner. And you're in a position if there weren't windows there, to shout out, Look out, jogger, there's a bus coming! Because from up there, you can see what you can't see from down here. A friend of mine, one of the students here, was worried about his future. He'd finished, coming to the end of his university term, and he came to see me. We sat in that room out the back and prayed, and he was just so anxious. I don't know what to do, Dave. He was a lucky bloke. He had several options. Dave Weeks, you know remember Dave Weeks. He had several options and he just didn't know what to do. And I listened to him for a whole hour and I didn't know what to say either. Simple as that. And so I said, I think we better pray, mate. So he prayed. While we were praying, I had this, I thought perhaps I was just wandering, but I had this picture of drifting through clouds And the clouds shifting, and down there was a city with all these roads going out of it. And uh, so I tried to get my attention back on the prayer that I should be praying. Um, And then I said, Dave, I'm sorry, mate, I don't know whether this means anything to you. And I told him what I'd just seen. He said, 
did you know I'm taking gliding lessons? I had no idea. I had a gliding lesson yesterday, he said. That happened to me, just like that. From which we deduced that from up there, God can see all the confusing elements of his life, which he can't see down here. And the thing is, trust God. One step at a time, trust God. He still meets up with JJ and co, doesn't he? I think things have gone well for him. So, it doesn't get rid of circumstances when we hand them over to God, but it does trust them into his sovereign care. And then when we cast our anxieties upon him, the intention is to make space for other things. Anxiety chokes us up. But Philippians says we're to cast them on him with thanksgiving. Casting our anxieties on him actually makes space for thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're willing to help me in this. Thank you, God, that you're sovereign. Thank you, God, that I can trust you in these things. Thank you, God, that at the end of this week I'm going to see how you've answered our prayers. Thank you, God. See, casting our anxieties on him makes space for other things, for trust. Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord. I'll read it to you. Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. The most profound thing my wife has ever said to me was one day when going through severe, she used to be full of fear and anxiety. She said, I was praying about such and such today and God spoke to me. Oh, I said, what, what did he say? She said, he just said, trust me. And it went deep into her being. Trust me. So we hand them over, but trust him. That word still speaks to me. What she spoke to me, that God had spoken to her, still lives deep in me. That's a living word from God. Trust him. Hand over the anxiety and make way for something else. And then resist the devil. Whenever we begin to handle our anxieties in this way, we have a promise that God will act. You'll have to find it for yourself, but it's in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord. Cast your anxieties upon him. This is my paraphrase now. 
and he will act. I think the modern version says he will do this, but he will act. You see, we have a living God who is everywhere, whose care cannot be questioned, who's demonstrated it through a dying Saviour and promised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And when we cast our anxieties upon him, he promises to act. And that's brilliant, isn't it? 